0: Hello. Welcome to Capital Musings, the official podcast of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. If this is your first episode, welcome. If you have been listening to us previously, thank you so much. You can find Capital Musings on our website, uncdf.org, as well as on iTunes and on Spotify. Today, as this podcast becomes live, we are entering the month of March, and the month of March has significant import for... A number of reasons, whether you are following International Women's Day, whether you're following progress on Sustainable Development Goal 5 that relates to gender equity, gender equality, women's economic empowerment, the 25th anniversary year from the famed uh, really watershed moment of the Beijing conference. So all of that is to say that this is a month that's dedicated to, again, gender equality women's economic empowerment, and how we can take significant steps towards making these interests a reality. And for UNCDF and CDF and also for the Managing Director of the Better Than Cash Alliance, who I'm going to speak with in a moment, how do we make headway in terms of women's economic empowerment in the tougher markets and the tougher geographies in the world? I'd be hard-pressed to find a better guest to talk about these topics and where they intersect Then, Dr. Ruth Goodwin Groen. She is the Managing Director of the Better Than Cash Alliance. We'll be using the shorthand of the Alliance throughout this interview. The Better Than Cash Alliance is a partnership of governments, companies, and international organizations that accelerates the trend from cash to digital payments to advance the SDGs. So we're gonna be talking about what their mission is generally, but we're also going again to talk about it in the context of women's economic empowerment and reflecting on really the importance of this particular pursuit and this particular SDG in light of this year being the year of women and the Beijing 25th anniversary. So that's very long winded on my end. First, let me say thank you so much, Ruth, for giving us your time.
1: Great to be here. Thanks, David. Great.
0: I think to start, It might make sense for us to start by talking about the Alliance, but I think instead, it might make even more sense, it might be a bit more compelling if we started by highlighting 2020 as the year of women. Just from your standpoint, from your professional standpoint, from your personal standpoint, talk about why 2020 is a year where this particular issue is going to take on even more import than it already has. In the context of the international agenda generally and the sdg agenda in particular
1: as you noted in your introduction this is the year of beijing plus 25 where we're remembering how we're really focusing on the progress that has been made in the last 25 years and at the better than cash alliance as you noted we are a member alliance of governments and companies and international organizations and all of them are committed to moving away from cash to some form of digital payment because they care about women's economic participation. Digital payments are a foundation for achieving all of the SDGs and particularly for SDG 5 gender equality. So, for example, our member in Bangladesh includes the government of Bangladesh as well as corporate brands, H&M, Gap, Marks & Spencer, and Inditex, are all committed to digitizing wages of employees in the garment sector of whom 80% are women. You know, that's over 3 million women in Bangladesh who can receive their wages digitally. And then they have choices about how they want to save for their future to be able to spend, not another member of their family making choices. It goes directly into their account so that they are able to manage it on their own terms. And so our members are very committed to women's equality and to women's economic participation as part of their digitization because they know it's a foundation. I think that also is as part of this year, there's great advocacy opportunities to help people understand the benefits of digitizing payments for women's
0: economic participation. I really can't wait to get into a couple of these stories, examples, not just because you're clearly succeeded at bringing in the public sector, but you've clearly marshaled some pretty powerful brands to get involved in this mission. So that's gonna be a very exciting listen for me and for our audience, but let's backtrack a bit. Let's talk about what exactly the Alliance is, just explain its mission, explain its vision. And from a structural standpoint, it's currently hosted in the UN. So just explain why that's the case.
1: When you have governments and companies and international organizations all aligned around a very specific mission, which is to create a global movement away from cash to some form of digital payment, you want to have a host that's neutral, that doesn't take any one side, that can advocate for digital payments that benefit clients rather than any one particular company or government. And so they trust us to be neutral, and we're scrupulously so, Mm -hmm. so that we can work with our members to figure out what's best for them and for their beneficiaries if they're governments or clients or employees if they're companies. And so it's great to be hosted by UNCDF. We share a common commitment to creating a digital future for many of the economies that still have got a lot of growing to do. And so we are also very committed to the Sustainable Development Goals, as I mentioned before. And because digital payments are a foundation, and we've done some great work with the UN Secretary General's Special Advocate for Inclusive Finance for Development, Queen Maxima of the Netherlands, as well as with DF to help people understand, senior policymakers understand, how this is a critical building block for the SDGs.
0: I would be remiss if I didn't add that the Alliance has done a really fantastic job of producing really great content, content that is both quite substantive, but really can be consumed not just by a policy-oriented audience. There's an excellent translation at work with this content. So we'll make sure that we'll post the content alongside this podcast. I think for a lot of our listeners, when they hear about accelerating digital payments in order to advance the SDGs, the logical question for those who don't operate in the space on a daily basis is what's the correlation? So just for those who are maybe struggling with that question, What is the connection between accelerating digital payments and SDG achievement, or in the converse, what is it about cash that impedes SDG achievement?
1: Let me take the first one. So (laughs) there are currently approximately a third of all women who have no formal account of any kind, not an account on a mobile phone, or in a bank, or online, or card, or any other option, a third of all women. That is shocking in 2020 that one third of all women still have no way to formally participate in the economy financially. And so the first step is being able to have an account that you can actually get paid into if you get receive a government transfer, if you get a wage, whether it's a regular wage or just informal ad hoc wages that get paid into an account that you own. So that's the first step to be able to receive a payment into your own account. And so if you can't receive a payment, then you can't save it. You can't buy groceries with it. You can't pay your children's school fees with it. So the first step is being able to have a payment account. And so that's why it's critical. So let me give you an example of how it affects so many of the other SDGs. SDG six is water. I was recently in Ethiopia and had the privilege of meeting the president who's very well known for her activism on women's rights. She's not a finance person. But once I explained to her that If you can help women or enable women to make tiny, tiny payments for water, then instead of trekking for three hours every day down to a stream or something to go and collect water and come back again, then you can reduce that payment time to 10 minutes. And so this is what's been shown in Tanzania, for example. So this completely transforms women's lives. I mean, what woman is not going to want an extra three hours a day? But particularly women who are at the low end of the economic spectrum and who are really really struggling for every penny and every hour. And so it can make a fundamental difference to women's lives as well as achieving goals such as SDG six. So we're really excited about the opportunities providing digital payments for everyone, but for particularly
0: women. Sure, of course, of course. And again, apropos given March and given everything that's taking place in March. So in that regard, you make two excellent points obviously first in the context of bringing women into their respective formal economies, but also from the standpoint of time efficiency and the agency that comes with them getting more access and more control of their time. I'm curious if you wanted to discuss a little further, just again, that specific issue of digital payments and really the criticality insofar as women's economic empowerment.
1: Let me give you another example in India, are a member of the G20 Global Partnership on Financial Inclusion. And India is one of the members of the Better Than Cash Alliance, also a G20 member. One of the things that they've done is, in three years, 170 million women, one, seven, zero, yeah. million women had an account as to be able to receive government payments and to make in transactions in three years, three years sorry. just three years. Three. And because they had faced a big gender gap in financial inclusion. So now those women are in the process of being able to transact because they can then make payments or if you're a young woman in the city to make a payment to your grandmother at home or sure. if you're working at you know to your children's school fees so that progress is critical both for the economy you know it's a key part of being able to grow the economy but also for each of those women you know this is not peripheral this is about scale right. this is about being able to include significant numbers of women in the formal
0: economy okay That's fantastic. And again, thank you for citing those specific examples. You mentioned Bangladesh. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind unpacking your work in Bangladesh a little more, specifically in the context of business payments. You mentioned a few brands that are specifically involved in the clothing merchant space, which is obviously critical to the economy. It's an interesting space for you to do your work. I'd just love to hear you unpack that project a little more.
1: Often the first reason that companies are interested in digitizing payments is to save money because it's expensive to cash around, to have armed guards, to be able to reconcile at the end of every day. And so cash is not efficient. <laughs> so they save money. First reason is they want to save money right. and do things more efficiently. Right. Second reason is obvious transparency. Right. And this is a big issue in the garment sector so that the brands know or can be certain that every employee in the factories is paid the amount that she's owed on time. It's not a paper transaction that who knows who signed it, but the correct amount goes into her account at the right time and there is an electronic record. So that transparency allows them to complete their commitment that they're not doing anything inappropriate or they're paying their workers the right amount at the right time. And so there, as you know, there's been lots of challenges about how much workers are being paid. And if they have this transparent record, then it makes it much clearer for everybody. And then the third reason is it generates financial inclusion. And so we have cost savings, we have transparency, and then financial inclusion. And there are groups that work sort of side by side with us who facilitate the employees in the different companies. And one of them is the Bangladesh Garment Manufacturer Exporters Association BGMEA. And we were able to bring together the government's member, the companies, other related partners. I mentioned BGMEA to say, this is what we all want to do. This is good for all of us. It's good for the government. It's good for the companies. It's good for the employees. And it's good for all the other actors that are involved. And in November last year, the head of the BGMEA committed to 90% digitization for all of the garment workers in Bangladesh. Isn't that amazing? So all the press about how there are challenges in workers and now we were able to get that action committed to by bringing all of our members together in the Bangladesh
0: context. So we
1: were really, you know, it's not us doing it, it's our members and stakeholders and partners, but we were able to facilitate that and that has made a huge difference.
0: And in a successful situation, successful project like that, what's the call to action? I mean, what's the call to action that would exist in that context? And what's the demonstrative call to action that can be applied in other projects or in other geographies?
1: Thank you for the question. The call to action in Bangladesh, but everywhere that is concerned about the SDGs and particularly about women's equality, is to digitize their payments. If you're a government, you make payments for all sorts of transfers and to businesses as well. You receive payments in taxes and in fees for different activities. So digitize payments that you're giving and digitize the payments you're receiving so that people can start building the ecosystem. If you're a business, like I mentioned in the Bangladesh example, there's a huge opportunity for paying your workers digitally to help them become part of the formal economy. A, you win because you save money and it's more transparent, but you really make a difference to the workers. What we also say in that call to action is it has to be done responsibly. Sure. So that clients know exactly how much the payment is costing, you know, as low as possible, that it's affordable, that they understand exactly how the transaction occurs, that they can get a message if it's a phone or a transaction record that they know who's received it. And also that if something goes wrong, there's recourse. So sure. we have a whole series of guidelines that we recommend for responsible practices. Sure. And this year, because it's the Beijing Plus 25-2 events, we will be really taking that message of governments and businesses moving their payments much more quickly to make a difference in women's lives. And there are great opportunities this year.
0: It's fantastic and inspiring. We're coming close to the end of our time. So we're down to the last two questions. And for regular listeners of the show, they know that we ask the same penultimate question for every show. So... Uh, Ruth, I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes to just talk about the journey that brought you ultimately to being the Managing Director of the Alliance.
1: I've been in international development ever since I did postgraduate work in India with women in the slums who couldn't pay back their loans Mm -hmm. because they couldn't save up enough money, keep enough money in cash in there, tied up in their saris, to be able to pay back a loan for a World Bank site and service program. So. Ever since then, as a postgraduate student, I've been working in international development and I have worked for the Australian government in Ethiopia and other parts of Africa. I have an MBA that gives me good finance skills and I've run my own business consulting in different areas of finance. I have a PhD, which gives me the economic chops in this uh, sector as well, and then I have also Advised G20 governments on financial inclusion-related matters, and then I've come here, and I have to confess that there's a secret. When I was very young, I was at Beijing. So this year in is in 1995. Yeah, it was incredibly exciting. Yeah. You know, I was young. I was at an NGO at that time, and so we understood that it was a watershed moment. Yeah, and so all of us were campaigning very strongly. And I was working on financial inclusion and women's economic participation and empowerment at that time as well. And that was a key. We knew that that was going to be the moment from which all of us would then move forward. So it's great to now still be part of the movement and to see how much has happened.
0: I actually, I'd love to platform off that to go into our, what I swear will be our final, final question. Thank you for introducing that into this conversation, because obviously it's fitting and appropriate. But I think it also gives you, obviously, a special lens in terms of being able to appreciate the incredible progress that we've seen since 1995. But you also have an appreciation of what needs to be done. And let's go back to the language of, say, talking about a call to action. If I were to ask you to reflect on, again, what we've accomplished, but what we still need to accomplish, and then as we look forward, thinking about what the appropriate call to action would be what would it be? I kind of threw three questions into one, but I think you're getting where I'm coming from, yeah.
1: In conclusion, there are things that we need to lay the foundation for the future of achieving the SDGs. And the one critical factor is for governments and businesses to digitize payments. In addition, the complementary actions that need to happen in order to achieve that are that women need to have identification. You Mm -hmm. know, girl children need that when they're born. Every woman needs to be able to have her own ID. She needs to have access to the technology to enable her to participate in the future digital economies and on financial inclusion. And she also needs to have a level playing field legally that have equal access to financial services. There would be no legal discrimination Mm -hmm. against women. So those factors are all actions that can be done now Mm -hmm. to build us for the future. We've got 10 years before the SDGs. This is the beginning of the decade of action. And so to have a women's lens this year is vitally important because if you don't have half the world participating and contributing, then you're losing out. And so it's important for women, but it's important for everybody so that we can achieve the SDGs.
0: I think that call to action is the perfect way to close this interview. Dr. Ruth goodwin Groen, thank you so much for giving us your time and your experiences and just sharing a lot of your thought capital on what will not only be important for this month, but really I think will be one of, if not the strongest indicator of whether we've achieved the SDGs and it's whether we've achieved women's economic empowerment and gender equity in this space. And digital payments are clearly going to be a driver of that. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks to all of you who have listened today. Capital Musings is a product of the Partnerships Policy and Communications Unit of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. Fernando Therouth and Carlos Masias are our producers. And thanks for your time. And we will talk again soon.